Yeah, there's so so again, we've been working with a strategy this year with with trying to flip a lot, but still holding a few back, you know, where, okay, if if it is worse, and we're still going to be out there hunting. And that's fine. And, and, you know, but if if it is a huge hit, hey, at least I'll get to participate in the huge hit down the road. But in the meantime, I, I don't want to be set in a position where I'm 50, 60, 100, 200 deep on an item that really has has no chance of doing better than break even because then my money's just sitting there not doing anything. Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Steven Peterson. Hey, wanted to talk a few moments about some sponsors. Scope from Seller Labs. Um, when's the last time you created a listing? right? And when you create that listing, you've got to come up with the keywords, right? It's all keyword dependent. I don't care if it's uh, private label or wholesale, you've got to get it right. Well, what's the best way to get it right? If you're selling a similar product that's really successful, you go and you take and use their keywords. And that's what Scope does for you. It's a phenomenal tool brought to you again by Seller Labs, the leaders in technology uh, when it comes to Amazon right now. They are just crushing it with all their products. But Scope allows you to get that listing right. Get ranked for those keywords as fast as possible. Therefore, you get the sales. So go to sellerlabs.com forward slash scope, use the code word momentum, save a little bit of money, get some free keywords to test, try it out and see if you see an improvement. If you don't adjust, what's cool about what I love about uh, Seller Labs is that you then message and say, hey, I didn't get this right, Tyler. Hey, Jeff, this isn't working right. What am I doing wrong? And boom, you're going to get the help you need. And that's what you're going to get from Seller Labs. And, and it's a very special group. They've been very, I've been very fortunate to be connected with them. And again, I look over time, they delivered every single time. You know, same thing I can say for Karen from Solutions for E-Commerce. I mean, she's been carrying my account for a couple of years now. Um, and our account, my wife and I, and she really does handle things for us. Um, I mentioned uh, just last week, we created a new listing with forget how many variations but again all the flat files uploaded done as I needed I pop in so she'll send me a template I pop in some information and then boom it's handled oh wait these pictures weren't done right blah 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 this UPC needs it boom modified adjusted and again the communication has been phenomenal too I get an email pack saying hey this was done or this you're missing this Steve hey you got to do this so you know we have those challenges too and that's why I like working with somebody who's been doing it and been doing it for a long time did you know Karen also does listings for eBay? Yep, lots of them. So if you want to build out that channel, which of course you should, it's Q4, you should be selling everywhere you can. Um, Karen can help you with that too. So you got to tell her I've sent you. So you're going to go to solutions for e-commerce forward slash momentum. You're going to save 50 bucks every single month. You're going to save that $50. But more importantly, you're going to get an inventory health report. Um, did you just get hit with monthly long-term storage fees? Well, guess what? If you haven't, they're coming. You want to get that inventory right, and she can help you with that. You got to tell her I sent you. Again, solutions, the number four, e-commerce forward slash momentum will get you into that. Save the 50 bucks. Get that inventory health report, though. That's really, really important. Get that going right away. And I don't want to miss my coach when it comes to retail orb or online orb. When I have a question, and I do, not that we don't we don't really do much of it anymore, but when I do have a question, I go to Gay Lisby. Because why? Because she's really... She is a coach. I mean, she's really phenomenal, but she also puts out a daily list and you're going to get that list five days a week. You're going to get tons of leads. The number of uh, 
agreed to amount that you're supposed to get, she, she usually gets to those in the four days. And then the fifth day seems to be a bonus most of the time. Phenomenal group, small amount of uh, buyers where this list is going to. And the best thing is the nuggets that you learn. Hey, why is the red one better than the blue one? Gate can help you with those questions. I saw, hey, I got, um, I got a, the dreaded letter about a brand. Here's the, here's the way you approach it. Hey, receipts, um, how do you, what's the best practice? I saw her leading instructions, teaching me, the accountant, how to do a better job with it. And it's phenomenal. So it's Gay Lisby's um, a million dollar selling. Um, I'll have the link in here. You've got to use um, the, my, my link, and, and it does help me. I don't want to say it that way, but um, it's part of Amazing Freedom with Andy Slamons, Lee Ron, Hirsch Korn, and Nate Slamons, so you know you can trust them, okay? So come out to the website, take a look at it, and you will get uh, savings, and you can get two weeks free right now. Only through my link, you get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? I get it. Back off. But right now is the time to make money. Get cash flow going right now. And so join, you get two weeks free. The only way you're going to get the two weeks free is if you use my link. It's on this episode. Come on out and give it a try. You will not be disappointed. Again, you're going to see me in there. So reach out if I can help you too. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 347, Craig Moore's. Very, very cool story. Very cool, uh, great guy, but just a cool story of somebody who's figuring it out, right? And and I probably use that phrase a lot, maybe a little bit too much sometimes, but it's just so neat. Rather than throwing his hands up, he's like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. He does a good job of explaining when it's right time to get the warehouse, you know, three car garage full, uh, knee deep, stepping on each other. We you know, ran into each other. And, and so those kind of things. And I think it's a good example of what's possible if that's what you want. The other thing I think he does a really good job of explaining is, you know, why eBay works for some people and why Amazon works for other people, you know. And, and I think, you know, his, his analogy of Walmart, um, Walmart and uh, thrift stores, uh, Goodwill specifically, I think is a great analogy of why certain things work and, and for some people and certain things work for other people. Not that both aren't successful because they are. They don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? And so that's what's kind of cool. And I, I think he does a really good job of explaining that. Real sound interview, a lot of good information if you're thinking about a warehouse. And in the end, we end up getting into some good advice if you do, if you're thinking about pulling the trigger that you really want to hear. Let's get into the podcast. All right, welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest um, because he's a good example of evolving. Evolving in the e-commerce world um, takes effort, uh, takes initiative, and it takes. I think there is some time you really have to study because not everything works for everyone in the same way, and not everybody has the same skill set. And so that doesn't make it wrong; it just makes it different. And I think uh, I think this gentleman's done a good job of pacing himself and getting into a good place. And I'm very impressed with what he's doing. Craig Morris. Welcome, Craig. Thank you. Thank you for having me on today. It's great to I, be here. I really appreciate you you taking the time. I know you're so busy. You have a new warehouse that I can't wait to talk about. But you've you've got a lot going on. Um, and I think my statement is fair. I mean, is that a fair assessment of my observation? Yeah, I think it's really kind of been a lot of my e-commerce experiences just kind of been accidentally falling into things. And um and we kind of hit a point where just doing everything accidentally was no longer really working. Um, we were kind of out outpacing the accidents that we could do, and um, and so we we really wanted to put together a plan 
uh, going into this Q4 uh, that we would be in a better position to to not be dealing with happy accidents all the time. Well, I think that's a good phrase, the accident. So, so this, if, so for a good example, would be when frozen stuff was being sold and the demand couldn't keep up with the supply. And therefore, those of us who were out in that world, anything you found that said frozen was so hot, right? That's falling into something for, mm -hmm. by accident. But right. And, and that was actually my one of my first flips on on Amazon. Um, it was right after I had just started on Amazon. So you thought so you that, were you thought you were the most knowledgeable guy in the world, right? I'm like, oh, man, I'm a genius, right? <laughs> it was super easy. I remember I bought two uh, Elsa dresses at a Walmart and um, had them sold by the time I drove two minutes to my house and uh, for something like 150% ROI. And I thought, wow, this is really easy. And, and that was kind of the start of my my accident journey on Amazon, <laughs> um, you know, and, and realizing now, though, obviously, that it's just situational and, and trying to have a real plan. Well, is it is it not only, though, that, that situational stuff, though, you could do things to put yourself in that position, right? I mean, so if you're not going in this, I, I watch Lonnie Honeycutt a lot. He goes to Goodwill every single day. Now, I could not do that. But there's a reason he finds stuff there when everybody else is saying, I can't find anything. He goes every single day. So he's putting himself, you know, he's taking a swing. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Every single day. And he isn't hitting, isn't hitting. And then all of a sudden he has a hit. I think, I think that frozen example, um, A, you were already selling or you, know, you were getting into it. B, you were going in the store and scanning and looking, right? I mean, I, I think that's another thing that's important, isn't it? Right. Yeah, and, and we found this year I, I have a lot more time for sourcing, and, and whereas last year there would be things that I could go for two months without finding because we were only really sourcing two days a week, and now if I don't find something that I'm looking for in three or four days, I'm surprised because I'm, we're just out there a lot more. So putting yourself in that position to maximize the time doing where, whatever it is that you're most profitable in. Now, does that mean that you panic if you don't find something for two or three days? Is that when the panic starts to set in? I mean, what does that feel like? No, I, I don't really think it's a panic thing. I, I, you know, at least this time of year for what we do and, and doing kind of, we do, we do a lot of toys for Q4. It's kind of fun. It's, it's kind of that hunt, you know, it's, it's maybe never will be the same thing as someone hunting for 100 $200 items at a goodwill, but it's really still that hunt of I know what I'm looking for. I've done my research and and now I found it. I finally found it and I'm one of the first to find it and I'll be one of the first to send it into FBA. And 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 so it's not so much of a panic as it is kind of a, an excitement when you do because it is the thrill of the hunt and the thrill of the chase. So the thrill is not gone, as the song says. Do you, do you feel like... Um, this is, a, I think, a decent question about this stuff that you fell into by accident. That that research you just talked about. So you're going into this this Q4 with a better plan, right? Because toys are toys are one of those things that you know I talk about with just about every seller because of Toys R Us going out of business. Um, and at this point, I haven't seen it. Walmart nor Targets, at least by me, have expanded their toy selection um, or their footprint in the stores. Um, I did see a pop-up toy store in King of Prussia over the weekend. Um, with, it, it's like Halloween City slash Toy City or something like that. It was the first time I'd seen mm -hmm. one of those. But outside of that, it's a very unusual year for toys, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. We're kind of still watching 
Um, we're watching some of our more regional chains to see what that reaction is because we're not seeing a lot of the the Toy City type of stuff pop up around us yet. Um, so so it is. It's just kind of everybody's trying to figure out is is stock going to be lower? Is stock going to be flooded? Is what you know? How is everything going to work? And and really, everybody's trying to make make the best guess that they can, you know, and, and I think doing that research and networking with other people around the country, well, what are you seeing here? What are you, where, what are those trends looking like by you? Because no matter where, and even how, no matter, we don't travel a ton, but even if you did, you're still seeing a limited snapshot of what one area has at one given point in time. You're, you, there's really no way of knowing what everything is. And I, I do think the dynamics of the market are, are definitely different this year. Well, what what's your gut say? I mean, what do you what do you think is going to happen? I mean, uh, I think common sense would tell us that Amazon's going to do a better job of managing their stock, right? I mean, just they get better yeah. every year, right? I mean, that's just historical. Generally, mm-hmm. they get better, right? They there's always an outlier. Nobody picks the home run toy. It's always a weird one. That one's separate, yeah. right? But yeah. what what's your thinking? Well, my thinking is is at least so far on most things is that that so far it doesn't seem like the early supply is is being flooded um you know even on things that we keep finding on a regular basis the there's still the demand there so now that some of that could be dealing with less less sellers on amazon or more restrictions on amazon and we're still we got the most recent gating we we had a few brands that got gated up that we've been selling for years i've sold probably thousands of some of these brands and so I'm sure there's other sellers like us on other brands that that they're stuck. So I my my gut says in the end that there there's going to be some really big, really big home runs out there. Um, but uh, the practical side of me right now also says, hey, if you can be turning things for 30 to 50 percent ROI and you can just keep finding them, then just keep turning them. Um, you know, and it's better that it's the, you know, the bird in the hand versus two in the bush. Take, take what's there now, because if the market does get flooded, you don't want to be left holding the bag of, you know, a couple hundred units of something that you could have made 30% ROI on. And now you have to take a 20% ROI loss. So, so there's my gut and then there's my my checkbook and they kind of fight each other right now at this They're time of year. Absolutely a battle. It's a mental, and you could rationalize a lot. I mean, wait till you get to a certain age, I can rationalize a lot of stuff. How about mm-hmm. this? I saw this about video games and I thought this is a good example of something. Um, they were talking about, I guess it was Nintendo <coughs> video games and somebody was asking, hey, you know, should I liquidate my account? Because it sounds like that market's going to kind of dry up. And again, take the outliers out of the picture. But it was interesting to hear him say somebody say that there's another game system, and two or three of the people that were commenting on it talked about modding another game system to allow them to play the games they want, and that seems like very common generationally. And so, is that an example of the toy business? You know, I mean, the life cycle of a toy coming to an end. I mean, is that an example? And then, is that happening faster with these newer toys? Do you get where I'm going with that? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I've noticed is that that it used to be a trend would start in the toy business and it might last two years, and you could kind of see it creeping in, and 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 then it would take each brand would take them three months to pop out their new toy that's along that trend line. Whereas now, it's I think some of the flooding has to do with you know 
if you're a parent, you couldn't even buy every trending thing that's out there. I mean, mm-hmm. at least no, you, you know, even even the upward parents who spend a thousand dollars per kid. I mean, you could you could blow through a thousand dollars per kid on toys easily. My kids could easily go into any toy store and and spend a thousand dollars on themselves if I allowed them to. Um, and still not have everything that they would quote unquote want when they're looking at the shelves. And, and so I think there is this, this inherent race to need to be first, but everybody's so quick at copying and, and, and following the trends. I think, I think because of social media, um, identifying trends and, uh, and yeah. being able to react quickly is, is becoming easier and easier. And, and, and so anytime you can bring something unique and be first to the market as a toy company, you're going to be in great shape, but it's getting harder and harder to do it because I'm looking at everything. It's almost, it's not even just picking what toy is going to be hot. It's what, what brands version of what toy is going to be yeah. hot. And, and, you know, because not everything is going to be the most popular. Only one thing within each, within each trend will be the most popular trend. And, and so how do you, how do you figure out what it is? You know, and sometimes it's the first to market and sometimes it'll be the last to market because it'll be the best version. So, I think about yoga pants. I, I've heard this description that it was, a, is it, is it Lululemon? I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Is that the one of them that, you know, everybody had to have these things, right? Uh, not us, but everybody else had to have these things. Um, although I would look good in this, I could pull them off anyway. Um, so, so, but that now because of Amazon that people now just wear yoga pants and in my world, Everybody wears yoga pants all the time, and they aren't necessarily Lululemon. I think that that it's an example of a brand that was hot, 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 and now it's probably generally not, not, not because you can't distinguish. Right? Their secret sauce, which was yoga pants, funky looking yoga pants. Man, you go anywhere, right, and say, or fidget spinners is another good example, right, where everybody did it all of a sudden, and they were going to make millions and zillions, and that one person made money, and then everybody else didn't make money only the people in China who made them and sold them <laughs> made money yeah. right hmm. yeah it almost it almost feels like we're in this this really weird ponzi scheme of of just commerce yeah. right now and and it it works both ways you know the the first manufacturers the first buyers the first sellers the first resellers there's there's opportunities and there's always a new first so so it's not like there's a limited opportunity but uh, to to find things to flip to make money on but i do feel like it's almost a limited time and and i know you know the whole reseller world is still kind of i feel like in a fog from hatchimals two years ago where it just became this toy that was out of production and it was so easy to make more you know everyone thought well they're just going to keep coming and and it never did. And and at the peak of fourth quarter, they were selling for you know. I mean, I I remember I sold some Hatchimals for four hundred dollars, you know, that were eighty dollars shelf price. And I think everyone expected the same thing last year. But if you look at the hottest toys of last year, most of them peaked September, October, early November. You know, yeah, there's a there are always a few that will spike. You, you mean know. at the price, the price was the highest in September and October because the, the, the supply was not out released right. yet. And right. then and from the there, it just there. came down. Wow. Right. And everyone kept waiting for the spike. And at the end of Christmas season, there was no spike. And, and um, you know, and so, you know, th- yeah, there, there are certain toys that, that did peak later on. But, but some of the, the predicted hot toys, the, the best time to flip them. And I got caught up in it because I kept waiting for the spike and the spike never came. 
And and I think with the speed of trends and the speed of manufacturing, you have to keep that in mind is look look at this thing. Is the company a big company? Because if they're a big company, they're probably watching the trends too. And you have no clue how many they have on trucks that you know that they're gonna make sure is in every store for Black Friday. Is it an easy thing to reproduce? You know, if it was a hit in October, is two months gonna be enough time for them to have enough to flood the market in December, you know, and, and to really look at these things and just to simply assume, well, because, and, and I think this is this evolving thing that goes on because toy prices tend to go up the closer you get to black Friday and Christmas doesn't mean that this toy's price will go up the closer it gets mm. to black Friday and Christmas. And, and yeah, there's so, so again, we've been working with a strategy this year with, with trying to flip a lot, but still holding a few back, you know, where, Okay, if if it is worse, and we're still going to be out there hunting, and that's fine, and and you know, but if if it is a huge hit, hey, at least I'll get to participate in the huge hit down the road. But in the meantime, I I don't want to be set in a position where I'm fifty, sixty, a hundred, two hundred deep on an item that really has has no chance of doing better than break even because then my money's just sitting there not doing anything, and so. I, I think that, you know, not to say that there's not going to be certain things that we're going to hoard more of than others because, but we're looking at it not just as this is a toy, it's going to go up in price, but why, why am I holding on to this? Why do I think that mm. this $20 toy that's selling for 40 today, I've got to be able to, to explain why I think this $20 toy that's selling for 40 today is going to be selling for 50 or 60 or 70 in a month. And even if it's going to be selling for 60 in, in a month or six weeks, would I not just be better off flipping it for the 40 over and over and over again in the meantime, and then, and then go from there. So I've got to really, I've got to really make decisions, not just based off of what has happened in the past, what's happened with frozen, what's happened with Hatchimals. Um, but I also have to look at Lovabella and say, okay, well, what if this is a Lovabella? What if the time to sell is now? And, 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 you know, if if what happens if every store drops this twenty dollar item to a ten dollar item, and then all of a sudden everybody's buy cost is at ten dollars and my buy cost is at twenty dollars, what's that going to do to the market? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of dynamics I think that that people t- will tend to overlook um, based on hope, and and I get caught up in it. Believe me, I I do all the time, and I'm I'm constantly forcing myself to send stuff into Amazon that I, well, what if it's going to go up in price, you know, and, and that's a fun question to speculate on. But the more practical question from a reseller standpoint is, what if it's at its peak price now, and you have it in stock and you choose not to sell it? And and I think that's just as humbling of a question to ask yourself as you're making decisions. You're basically day trading, it sounds like, you know, and you're, you're dollar cost averaging, right? So in your first example, where you talked about, you know, if I can sell it for 30% more, and I can do that two or three times, and then hold some back, and eventually, maybe I can get to that 100% or 150% ROI, you know, what's your average, right, by the time the end of it sounds good. Worst case scenario, even if you sold those last few at a loss, more than likely, your average is profitable, right? I mean, that, right. that kind of makes sense to me. And I think that's, that's definitely different thinking. So you're not not afraid to buy deep. It's just that you're not afraid, or you are not afraid. I hate to use that phrase. I'm sorry. You're adjusting your business to say, hey, I'm not going to hold deep. I'm going right. to sell what I can, make some profit, put some money back and in reserve and hold some back 
and hope that when it, when it, it as long as the trends are there, right? Now, all of a sudden, if if they reissue, um, you know, let's let's I don't know, give me a toy. Uh, uh, we'll use that level Bella doll. They reissue the same doll. Um, that's a time that you're never going to get rid of them, right? So you got to sell them at a loss. Boom, move on. But the loss probably at that point isn't very high. Right, because it's right. more than likely you'll sell it at market price, which after fees you lose, you know, fifteen twenty percent. Mm-hmm. But if you made thirty percent on those other ones, you're still basically at a break even, maybe or something like that. Okay, all right, that's pretty smart. That's um, that's pretty sophisticated. Um, why? What what gives you the ability to think that way? I mean, you know, did you go to? e-commerce school did you go to uh do you have a big degree in finance or economics um as our greg murphy the geniuses i mean do you got one of those fancy degrees no see I, my my background is totally different this really has to do with my my accident of getting involved in reselling mm-hmm. all of my 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 college degrees are all all based on uh, church ministry so um i was a youth pastor for years and i was a a lead pastor for a year and, and in all these different situations, I've ended up, I've ended up working with lots of people. And so I don't, I don't have any sort of a, a deep level of, of a psychology degree by any means. It took like one class in, in college. Um, but I've just observed a lot of, of human psychology within things. And, and, and I guess a lot of my interaction with, with people over the years in non-commerce settings, just in normal settings, um, you know, I just, I see things, you know, you, you see the good, the bad and the ugly of, of, of human nature and human life. And, and I think with, with seeing that and observing that and seeing how much, um, whether we like, like to admit it or not, we as people like to be part of the in crowd. You know, we, we can say that we, we, we play, play to the beat of our own drummer or whatever, but, but in reality, you know, uh, just seeing how people interact, people buy stuff. And, and again, like I'm just as guilty. I'll buy something because this is the thing. Or my wife will tell me to buy these clothes because they look trendy. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm going to do it because that's what it is. And, and, and that's the funnel that kind of commerce puts us into whatever we buy more, they make more of. Well, would you say you have a superpower there? I mean, is there, you know, your observe, your ability to observe people over time in ministry? I mean, is that something that gives you a, not an edge, but uh, your ability to, to, to recognize talent? And when they make a recommendation, you go with it? I mean, is that kind of a weird way? I don't know if I'm saying it right. But yeah. You put I, you trust know, in people you trust because you, you've watched them over time and therefore you've seen their guts or, I mean, is that... Is that weird to say? Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's really like a, a superpower or anything like that. And I'm not even a really great at observing people cues. One, one of my buddies who who helps me out a lot, he's really good at it. You know, he he'll notice he'll notice when a, a store manager is looking at us weird or different things. Like he really picks up on those things. So I've really learned a lot from him in saying, okay, you know, because I tend to be zoned in, focused on the job at hand. It's it's definitely it's both a blessing and a curse because you know I could be in a room of twenty people, and if I'm focused on a job, I I'll sometimes you know ignore everybody else because I'm just focused. And and so he's helped me to start to see like, hey, there's a bigger picture. And one of the simplest things I did, you know, um, a couple of years back to just get better at it is 
whatever I was sourcing, you know, you know, in a in a store, I would just listen to the conversations going on around me, not to be creepy eavesdropper guy, but just to see what what people were talking about. And because you can hear stuff and you can say, okay, well, I think this is going to be good. But when you actually just look around, what are people putting in their shopping carts? You know, what what is someone buying, you know, the first week of October from a toy department? Like, actually go look and see. And what are they talking about? And what are the kids requesting for their birthday? I mean, right now, you know, my, my son's birthday is coming up in, in just a bit of, bit over a month. You know, we, we, we'll go to a toy section and he will proclaim to everyone who's listening the toys that he wants for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean those are going to be the hot trending toys. But that's one piece of information that anyone who's in there shopping would be able to gather. And you gather that up with what somebody else's kid is wanting. And then what these two grandparents are saying they want to get for their kid for Christmas. And you can start to weave together the things that maybe have legitimate trends because yeah, you're hearing real people in the real world say it, not just propaganda, you know, that's being pumped out and from commercials, you know, and and you can start to see it and you can start to put together, you know, okay, what is it making? And, and I've learned, I've, I've found things, you know, a, a kid will put down a toy that they're playing with in the store that I hadn't looked at and I'll scan it and it's profitable. Well, the, you know, the toy's always been sitting there, but I, I, until I took time to notice what was going on around me, um, I was missing out on some key pieces of information. I'm sure that would work. Not just, I mean, that would work in grocery. What, what right. food? Right. What food are people well, putting trend, in? Well, trend, keto, right now, keto, right? That's yep. so trendy right now. So mm-hmm. anything that says keto will likely sell for now. You know, right. and before that it was Atkins or, uh, what was it South Beach? Remember that diet yep. that was out there? And there'll be another one right after keto, another one. I think about, we went to my granddaughter's and at that time she was probably five and they had a birthday party or whatever. And somebody put on something called Shimmer and Shine, this video on YouTube. All mm-hmm. these girls squealed and sang every word of this song. I'm like, what is this thing? And I even, I sell toys and I never even heard of it. Shimmer and Shine. And they <laughs> yeah. all knew every word to every song. And I thought to myself, so now when I go to their birthday parties, because now we go to their, their granddaughter's birthday parties, I watch the toys that are coming out and I'm like, huh. Very interesting. You're starting to see those, you know, uh, all of a sudden all the girls are getting shimmer and shine, or at least they were last year, you know, yeah. and so uh, very interesting. So when, when, <laughs> now, do you sell on eBay anymore? Um, so we're looking to reboot our okay. eBay. So you're going to be reboot, but you, you did that whole path, correct? Yes. Okay. Yep. We so, did, we did eBay strong. I mean, eBay as our sole income for, um, it was at least a solid year that it was our sole income. And what, what made you stop? You know, cause it's interesting to watch. I mean, I see a lot of people who get sick of it because there are challenges, but then they move to Amazon, which they think is because everybody talks about the positive sides and they don't talk about the negative sides. And then they experience some of that stuff and they're like, Whoa, wait a second. I got to reboot my eBay. <laughs> I got to have a B plan. What, what was it for you? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're talking now, I think it would be about five years ago to think 2013 is when I started on Amazon. And um, my, my initial ex- experience with, I'd sold some stuff, Merchant Fulfilled, just to get started, because at the time, that was the recommendation. I don't even know if that's the recommendation anymore, but that was that was the advice I got. Sell a few things, Merchant Fulfilled, before you send in a box to FBA. And it, we did, and it worked, and that was good. Um, and 
at the time, uh, you have to remember five years ago, Amazon's a completely different world. Um, so there wasn't, there, there really wasn't gating or restrictions on anything. And so I remember one of the first things I did is I sent in a box and, and again, you, I never do this nowadays, but I sent in a, a box of stuff that was all stuff from around the house and stuff that was on eBay that hadn't sold. And I remember I had a, had a DVD and it was like an exercise DVD that I had listed on eBay for nine ninety nine for probably six months and didn't have any views, didn't have any watchers. I sent in my box to FBA and it sold for like $25 within about three minutes. Whoa. And, and, that and you didn't my, have to ship it. I mean, you send it to them, but you didn't yeah, have to pack it, it up, you know, answer questions. And, and and I remember packing that first box to FBA. I mean, it was an all nighter to pack a thirty seven item shipment. <laughs> like, I had no clue what I was doing, and it was back when you had to put a packing slip in the top, and you know there oh, there yeah. was stuff out there. But I, I was I was working through it. So that was kind of the the turning point. Was I was like, wow, the amount of time that I had to put in to prepping that shipment, even not knowing what I was doing, was still far less than the amount of time that I was putting in. It. And then we ran. eBay. So it's a learning curve. Yeah, it, it it was. But at the time, the I I don't mean this in a flippant way, but Amazon was easy. Yeah. Um. At that time, it was okay. just it was easy. It was a different world. And I was talking with a buddy recently and said, "Man, if we knew five years ago for Q4 what we know now, hmm. I mean, we could probably retire in one year." I I mean, it was the the opportunities that were there and and was was crazy and so so and then we ran eBay and Amazon side by side um cuz it worked cuz I was doing again at the time I wasn't even really into retail arbitrage at a high level you know i mean i'd go look at a clearance section and you know that sort of thing um but i was mainly doing thrift stores and and garage sales and we were in florida so we had year round garage sales and and so that's what we were doing so i'd just go out garage selling and then i'd fill a box full of new stuff from garage sales and then into Amazon. Um, and, and just over time, the scalability of Amazon won out over, mm. over, over what I was doing on eBay. And, so, um, so side by side, you, you weren't, I mean, I guess you were giving them equal effort. Cause if you're going, if you're buying, you're sourcing your, your stuff for Amazon at a yard sale, you're sourcing your eBay stuff there too. So that's yep. common sense. Okay. So then you'd bring it back You'd spend, you know, five seconds an item listing it on Amazon, putting a label on it, right? Putting it in a mm -hmm. box, right? Yep. Um, and then, but you'd then take your eBay and you take that other item and you take the pictures, you know, yep. three, at least three decent pictures, right? So more than likely five. You'd create mm -hmm. this amazing title, right? You probably copy somebody else's listing. And then you put in all the details, get all the weight right and get everything just right. Create that listing and... In that meantime, you've sent how many boxes into Amazon FBA? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it, we were doing that, and, and then, then as I think, as we expanded into more retail arbitrage, you know, you weren't just finding you know, at a garage sale; you're finding one-offs. Like that's great, and I mean, I, I had I had a couple. I was talking with my friend the other day about when I was on eBay. We were big clothing sellers. I sold two different shirts. Um, at two different times for $800 a shirt. I never knew that anyone would pay $800 for a shirt. I, you know, wow. I'm not a, I'm not a clothing guy. One, one I bought at a Goodwill for like $5. It was a, a 1992 Polo Ralph Lauren. Um, one of the, one of those 25th anniversary shirts. The other one was, 
uh, I believe I bought it at a high end um, upscale resale clothing shop, like boutique. I think I spent like 60 or 70 for it. And it was a, a vintage Versace silk shirt from like the, the 70s, 60s, 70s, somewhere in there. And they were just both. So we made big money, but the, the amount of times that I found shirts for $800 twice versus the amount of times that I found right. items that I could sell for 5 to $10 profit over and over again, we just didn't compare. And, and so, so yeah, I still, I still love the concept and the idea of the treasure hunt and, and the garage selling. But I think now with, with the Amazon restrictions, you know, being everyone's a lot more cautious with what you send in without, you know, really a good chain of, of, yeah, this is, this is proof of authenticity via invoices, receipts, et cetera. A lot of the things that I probably used to send to Amazon, I would never send to Amazon anymore. Right, right. I just, it's just not worth the risk of the account. And so that kind of made some of the thrifting. And, you know, I mean, even a year ago, I was still doing occasional thrifting um, and sending stuff to Amazon, but really not anymore. Um, and and so just being able to, to do that. And then when you find out, okay, this item that they have 10 of here, that's $5 profit. You go to the next door, they have 10 more. The next door has 10 more and you can just do that. And, and all of a sudden it's, it's as you can, you can start to streamline your process because you're doing the same thing over and over again. Now, some so. people would argue, you know, that those $800 shirts, right. That's a good example, mm-hmm. right? Because at one sale, you made a very good profit, right? Do two mm-hmm. of those a week and you're making a good living, right? That's yep. fair. I think that's fair. And so, if you took that same, I think of Ronnie Hart. I think he's a good example. I don't know if you know Ronnie, he's amazing clothing guy. Like yep. he'll, and but he'll go and he describes it. He'll go for a weekend and buy clothing at estate sales and like and just spend hours looking at every single thing and just does it forever. He's into it. He knows it, and he he doing huge numbers on eBay of profit. Hardly yep. does. I, I don't even know that he's back on. Yeah, he is back on Amazon, but just minimal, right? And yet. Mm-hmm. He makes it look so easy. Um, is that is that part of it? Is the learning curve? Maybe that's a good way to think about it. Because on Amazon, generally, generally, you have an app, right? You're scanning with something, right? The barcode mm-hmm. tells you all the rank and the keeper and all the rest of it. because it's so data driven. That versus the amount of the vast amount of knowledge you have to have to be successful on eBay, even if you're just a clothing seller, right? I mean, just think about it. I mean, right. I, I just men's versus women's and, and think of, you know, pants versus, I mean, just imagine all those different variants. Is that, is that one of the barriers? Yeah, I, I think so. I think I honestly, I think the biggest barrier and, and you kind of touched on before that, that, that you're going to have with e-commerce is, is you, you've got to figure out how mm. you're best wired. And, and some people are going to be wired for the data driven and, and the, the idea of, okay, I can, I just got to run this. I just, you know, I, I know some people like a new, new Amazon seller would say, well, why are you selling that at 15% ROI? How are you making any money? Well, because 15% ROI times a thousand units is a lot of money, <laughs> you know, and it just depends on, and there's, there's really no right or wrong. And we see it, you know, if you, if you, you say like goodwill is the, is the eBay of the of the brick and mortar store, and, and and Walmart is the Amazon. Neither one of those systems is wrong. They're just uh. two different systems. You know, one is going to say, "Hey, 
we're gonna our our cost for our our goods sold. What's Goodwill's cost for goods sold? It's whatever they choose to stock of some of their replenishables. But the vast majority of the stuff they're getting in cheap, and they're selling relatively cheap and most most of the time, unless you have a really overpriced Goodwill near you. But you know that's their thing. That's a volume. You know, you know, they're we just want to take in whatever we can. And, and we'll get it in cheap, we'll sell it cheap, they're going to be unique things, you're never going to know what you're going to find. Whereas Walmart thrives on, you know exactly what's going to be there or what's supposed to be there when you walk in the door. Hmm. And, and I don't really think either one of those is wrong. There are times that I'm going to go to Goodwill if I'm looking for something. There's times I'm going to go to Walmart and there's times I'm going to go to Amazon. And, and I think as a seller, you've got to figure out how you're wired. You know, if if I had to go back and, and, and start selling clothing on eBay, I'd be okay with it. Like, I think I could put together some systems and processes. But you know what it wouldn't appeal to me would be having to start selling on Poshmark and learn a whole new a whole new thing all over again. Not because Poshmark is bad and not that I wouldn't eventually go there if that's where the money was. But for me, I'm just I'm I'm a repeat guy. Like I I know Amazon. I've done Amazon now. I'm familiar with eBay, but even like I think that's one of my hesitations for jumping back in on eBay is I haven't I just don't know all the updates that have happened in the last year and a half. You know, I don't know. I don't know if if it's better to do, you know, auction starting at a penny or auction starting at ninety nine ninety nine. I don't know any of those things anymore. I know what it was way back in the day. Um, and so so I think finding a system that that really works. Uh, within it. And, and I, that's really why for us making the jump to the warehouse made sense too, because with, within our three car garage, it was really hard to have good systems and good processes because, uh, you know, to do a giant haul of a cargo van and to have, you know, hundred boxes coming in from online arbitrage showing up, there's no room to move. There's just, you couldn't do anything. And, and, uh, you know, we did, we didn't have our warehouse when we were doing our, our big Toys R Us haul, our magical mystery tour around the country of, of during Toys R Us liquidation. So all that stuff came into my garage and came into a room in our house, and then we sent a bunch of it to a storage locker. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like I don't even have all my stuff in the same location if I wanted to ship it out. And and we were shipping stuff out of our garage for I want to say two weeks before I finally said, hey, look, I can we can actually we can actually park one car in our three car garage. <laughs> and, and it just, it just didn't make sense because we were, you know, when we were working out there, we're stepping on each other. There was no room. Whereas now with our warehouse, you know, one of the, one of my proudest things about the warehouse is we have a wall of pre-made boxes. You know, it's always been my dream to have a wall of pre-made boxes because whenever you're in the heat of trying to pack out a hundred or not a hundred thousand, a thousand item shipment, I wish it was a hundred thousand item shipment. That's in the future, I guess. But a thousand item shipment, the last thing you want to do is, oh, I got to go make three more boxes. And so, so instead we pre-make all of our boxes. So that way when it's time to ship. And so like last night I was just working on doing a small shipment. It's like a hundred item shipment. And so I just ran over and I grabbed two boxes and it was, I was able to throw the stuff in and I was done. Um, and so by having systems like that, I'm not late at night putting together boxes. The boxes are already made. And by the time I get back to the warehouse, the boxes that I use will probably have been remade by, by somebody who's working for me because they know what the system is and it's always done. And so even if there's nothing to do, we can have all these systems in place and we're, we're, we're even kind of starting to rotate stock, you know, as we're, we're watching stuff and okay, it's time to send this Toys R Us inventory in. This is stuff that we're going to hold for, for another year. So you're starting to drip in that inventory. 
Right. And we have everything kind of laid out on our shelving units. We bought some shelving units from Herberger's when they went out of business. So we have stuff. Okay. This is, we know this is the stuff that we're going to be sending in next. And we're, this is what we're keeping our eye on. And we just go over it. Can anytime I want, I can go and scan my inventory, say, okay, look, this is, we have 20 of these left in stock. We've sold 80 of them. It's time to send in our next, next batch of a hundred for the next two months or whatever it's going to be. And so so by but we're spread out. We're not stepping over each other. We have we have carts, you know. So when we when we have uh, plush that need to be bagged, we have, just have a cart that we got from Toys R Us, and and as soon as it, we take it out of the van, it goes straight into the cart because it needs to be prepped. And then our prep person will prep it when when it's time to be prepped. And so we're instead of doing this where we have piles of things and you send out the whole shipment and then you discover three more bags that were sitting under a table yeah, that you couldn't oh. see and and all that, we're we're our efficiency is, is crazy. Um, you know, I used to be happy, you know, if in, in one day, if we could do a three or 400 item shipment, um, we pumped out a thousand item shipment in four hours the other day. Um, and so, so let's pause that a second. Let's just talk about that because I think this is important because, you know, having a warehouse, everybody dreams of it, but it comes with a lot of cost. I mean, our, our insurance, I think uh, my, our insurance is, not quite three hundred dollars a month just for liability, and it's it's also our liability insurance. But still, I mean, it's material. When you have a warehouse, you have other you have workman's comp, you got all these other issues, and then you have your rent and your cam and your garbage. You got to pay for paper towels for the bathroom and stuff like that. When mm-hmm. when you saw the gains in efficiency, that example you just gave, where you went from three hundred your best, and that's when everything was working. And even then, I'm sure it was frustrating because you did describe stepping on each other, where yeah. in half a day. You cranked out three x that. Mm-hmm. That means you likely could do six x what you did. Yeah. That, I mean, is that a month's worth of cost that one day? You know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, could yeah. you could you make yeah, that money up almost in a day and then cover the rest of the month? Yeah, it's it's got to be close to it. I you know hmm. I mean we're still we're still fiddling through. You know we're still we've got. I I guess from my in my perfect world, looking back, it would have been a whole lot better if we'd had the warehouse set up before the Toys R Us liquidation, but that right. just wasn't, it wasn't there. So we're, I really feel in some ways we're only kind of scratching the surface of, of what things are. We're still kind of learning some of our systems, but the the net positive is like, yeah, you know, because we've, we've got people that we're paying now and because we've got um, the warehouse and the, just the cost of rent. And, and like you said, some of the other things that go along with that insurance and, and all those other things um, it definitely it definitely changes it and and but it's also riskier in the sense too of you you know the the mental game that goes with it where you feel like i have to buy more i have mm. to buy more and 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 i i think one of the things that i'm learning early, very early on this q4 is um a good buy is better than a big bad buy and and because the temptation is well we have this space let's fill it let's use it we let's buy it you know well there's always another opportunity. Tomorrow's going to present another opportunity. It just, that's the way it is this time of year. And, and I don't want to handcuff myself for future opportunities by, well, I've got to do this today. Well, guess what? There's, there's projects we can work on. There's- so, so wait, so you're walking away from certain buys. It just doesn't feel right, or it's too much uh, capital yeah. commitment. That's a very mature thing to do, Greg. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, it really it's, is. it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to do. And very I very mature. It's more learning from, from, 
you know, mistakes that we've, uh, you know, I've got a warehouse of that stuff. Trust me. I get it. I got, I got a big picture of it. I could show you. Um, let's talk about employee efficiencies because that's another benefit. I mean, people working for you, what, I mean, is it, do you see a little more pep in their step or even, even your wife or, I mean, even maybe yourself, I mean, is it cooler to walk in and say, all right, you know, I got this and then you get to walk away and go home. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that, that we've made a concentrated effort on now, our kids are, are getting older. We'll have, we have, well, we have a seven month old and then one who's turning three and then one who turned five this summer, uh, in the past, you know, working from home, the benefit is of course you're working from home. Um, but again, with all those space restrictions, uh, so we kind of made a decision if I'm going to be working at a warehouse, we're going to we're not just going to work the same amount of hours that we used to work. We're going to work a little bit less because we're being more efficient and, you know, Ooh. able to do things. And so we've been able to, to work in, in, in doing, doing a date night with my wife, doing daddy daughter dates, daddy buddy hangout. Wait, so time. this is life improvement improvement. So rather yeah. than, and this is a pro tip right here. This is a big deal. This is this minister coming out, Craig. This is it right here. This is you giving your taking your own advice, I'm certain, is yeah. take that extra time. Rather than invested in your business, invested in your relationships and yourself and your mental health. Ooh, dude, that's deep. Very yeah. deep. And, and it's tough because, you know, you think you're going to do it and you have this great plan going into Q4 and then you still start running like crazy. And, and so I'm, I'm already, you know, we're... Again, for most people, Q4, they, it starts October 1st. For us, we've been running pretty hard since September 1st. We got into the warehouse August 1st, so the month of August was just pretty much prepping the warehouse and getting it ready. But we've been we've been running hard now for five, six weeks, and so I'm kind of already at that first, kind of the first evaluation stage of, of where things are at and starting to see like, oh, this this just wasn't working. So Well, yeah, talk about that. Would you talk about what went right and what didn't go right? I think that's yeah, helpful. Yeah, well, so we've been... What, this is the simplest thing, and the story kind of concluded yesterday. Sorry, it kind of it ties up really well. Um, you know, I've been working on eating healthier. It's just been—I know it's been one of the things why one of the reasons I've been so tired during Q4 is that I'm pushing, I'm pushing hard, um, and then you're just on the road, so you just you eat whatever's available. And and it happened the other night. I was I was out till 3 a.m. So what's open at 3 a.m.? Well, it was White Castle, so that's what oh, I ate. Man. And then I'm like, you know, I'm wow. like that goes against everything that I need. But but guess what? I need to make it home. I need to make it home alive and awake and and all these different things. And 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 so it's like, okay, I'm going to do that. And so that was kind of the tipping point. Well, why why wasn't this happening? Well, we didn't have a fridge at our warehouse because I was being stubborn. I said I'm not going to pay more than fifty dollars for a refrigerator at our warehouse. You know, where we could just have good food there. I can pre-make my meals on Sunday, so I have them there for the week, and I can just always grab grab some food, grab some stuff ready to go. So we've, you know, I just said at the beginning of the week, I said we're going to find our fridge this week. Like I don't care how far we have to travel for it, because I'm not paying more than fifty dollars. Wherever we have to travel, we'll just go source when we go pick it up. You know, because I'm sure it'll probably be in an area where there's other stuff. So we. We finally got our fridge, and I paid forty dollars for it yesterday. So ah, I, was, nice. I was very happy, and we we sourced on the way home with our a refrigerator and our cargo van to to kind of make the trip worth it, and and it was good. But that was one of the adjustments where something like, oh, it'd be fun to have a refrigerator, and and in re, reality, it's like, no, it's necessary to have a refrigerator for me to to live the life that I want to live during Q four. And not wanting to live a life of just eating fast food again, because I've done that. I've done so, that. So then the life then is not just buying. It's it, also uh, taking care of yourself during that time. That's another adjustment. Yeah, 
Hmm. And I think that's that's what I'm learning this year is 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 I'm I'm getting older, you know, how hard to push, how hard not to push. But in the past, it's always been throw the me care and the family care and all that kind of out of the window for three months, you know, and and our family, we would talked about it. We knew it. We understood it. Um, But we moved past that point where we just want that to be the way anymore. And what's that done for your relationship? Because I think this is important because. The, instead of having this conversation of, hey, everybody's going to have to suck it up. Remember, daddy works hard these three months. This is it. Remember, this is when we do our best. And, you know, you have a nice conversation. It's a great teachable moment for the kids. But the bottom line is they don't see dad, right? Or they right. see dad gaining weight and he's tired. And he's probably mm-hmm. irritable. My bed is irritable, yep. right? Eating White yep. Castle at 3 a.m. makes anybody irritable. I don't care who they are. <laughs> yeah. But but so now what's that done for those relationships? I, I definitely think it's helping. I mean, like I said, it's a learning curve. And with a seven-month-old in the house, I mean, we're already oh. on a learning curve. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and so so it's, it is it is what it is. And, and we're far from having it perfected. And I hope for next Q4 we'll be, in, you know, even better. But but I definitely I definitely see the difference and I feel the difference. And, and, and um, you know, even, even with the fact that I would say right now, yeah, the last two weeks have been kind of rough. I haven't been doing it, but now I'm at a point where it's, I'm evaluating this the first week of October instead of evaluating the first week of January. Uh, and, nice. So you're and, not, you don't have to go all the way back. You're only going back to the, cause you, you, the mistakes are less frequent. Maybe that's the right way to say it. Right. Well, or I catch them earlier. Maybe yeah. that's what it is. Okay. I, I, I don't necessarily know if my mistake ratio has gone down at all. So <laughs> you just, be- you're acknowledging them. You're more, uh, you're more, um, uh, attentive to them. I, I think that's a very healthy thing though. Right. I mean, because you don't want to have a series of bad decisions, right? One, one. Right. I, I just listened to somebody talk about weight loss, and they were talking about how you know if you if you're not careful, you can go for a weekend wedding and gain five or six pounds. Now, if you get right back on the horse, it usually doesn't stay around long term. It's though when you, I always think of you know the holidays. They start pretty much Halloween for me, right? Yeah. Used to be, and so I would start eating candy, and I'm a I I'm a Andy would bring me Twizzlers, and I'd start eating those darn Twizzlers. And then we would just crank right through Halloween. And I'd eat chocolate, which I don't like, but I'd eat it because it was there. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving. Oh, got to make it through Thanksgiving. Got to eat this, right? And then Christmas mm-hmm. and then New Year's, right? Yeah. And then I usually, at that point, get ready to join the gym, you know, 20 or 30 pounds heavier almost every right. single year. That is a series of those bad decisions as mm-hmm. opposed to one trip to 3 a.m. White Castle saying, oh, this wasn't good. And this is, I'm not going to continue that. I think that's, that's really smart. When, when you think about where you're, where you've come and how long it took you to get here versus now that you've been in the warehouse for how long? We've been in basically two months. Okay. So so these last two months. So, so thinking about how long it took you to get to the warehouse and the efficiencies and all the things that you learned along as opposed to this last two months, what's the difference in time? You know what I mean? Is it, you know, so, so if somebody's listening and they're thinking, Hey, I think I'm ready for a warehouse too. I think I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I think it's time. Um, is it like you're learning? Is it accelerated every day? Because as you, the efficiencies give you the time. And then if you apply that time, you just sit there and say, not going to happen. Got to do this. Got to do this. Is that, is that like accelerated like a lot? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I think one of the first things, and this is kind of our journey too, is kind of our first employees. Soon as soon as you you take that first step for the one employee, you you immediately see 
oh, wow, I can see where I could use two more employees. You know, where, whereas you've been doing things by yourself, all of a sudden you can see that. And I, I think the same thing's true with the warehouse. And, you know, there's the benefit of a home-based business is that it's home. You don't have to go anywhere. But but the opposite side has been nice too. And I'm, I'm getting there. I still have a few, a few mental hangups of, of really trying to leave work at work and really trying to say, you know, one of the things that, that, you know, as long as I'm in town, we're trying to pledge to our kids five to 7 PM every night. Daddy's here to just, you know, to eat supper, to do all these different things, to play with you guys. You get to pick one thing that you want to do, you know, game you want to play, toy you want to play with or whatever. And, and to do that and, 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 it's tough because I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of untraining myself from old habits. They're not necessarily bad habits. They're just the old habits. Um, but to really say, okay, from five to seven, I don't want to check my phone. I don't mm. want to check the Amazon account unless there's something, you know, a major thing, but as, as long as we're in town. And so, so to do that and, and to, to do that. And yet at the same time, I mean, I, I tend to get overwhelmed with things. And so I was, I was working on stuff last night and I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm literally saying out loud, luckily it was just me there. And, you know, I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I can juggle. Like, I don't know how I can handle this. I don't know how I can do this. And because, because as you, as you scale bigger, it's great and it's fun, but the stuff still has to get shipped out, you know? And, and it's still like, for me, I'm a buyer. I love buying, you know? And that's, I was always, always having huge death piles for eBay too, because I love to buy. Um, but doing, doing some of the other work that needs to be done, and and so it's like we're we're getting more efficient in some ways, but then that that reveals other inefficiencies. And and um, one of my favorite leaders that I like to follow is Kerry Newhoff. And um, and one of his things, he just wrote a book on leadership. And one of his challenges that he said it's not just about being efficient; it's about being effective. Ooh. You can be efficient in in something. You know, you can be efficient in how how you shower. Right? You can you can shower efficiently. But if it's not an effective shower, it doesn't matter how efficient you are. And and so so this this um Thanks for the funny. visualization there. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> so so what but pick whatever it is. You can you can be efficient. Ah, smart. You can be efficient in cleaning your house, right? But it, you know, you can get it done quickly, but if it's not effective, then then it's not doing it. And so I think trying to apply that within within our businesses, yeah, we're more efficient. We can buy stuff faster, we can process stuff faster, but are we are we buying profitable things or are we just buying it because we can? Like, I mean, you could you could literally, you know, probably most people listening to your podcast could max out all their credit cards just buying out one toy section or one clothing section at, at any big box store. Like that's efficient, right? It's one stop, you one buy trip, it. All. Yep. Everything's there, boom, push it, it into the cart. Yep, we're done. Yep, and take it all out. And if you're, you know, if you're stickerless commingled, you just zap a bunch of stuff, you send it to Amazon. Well, that's an efficient way of doing things, but it's not effective. And I, I think, I think that's one of the balances that I'm that I'm having to learn here is we are more efficient, but let's not lose our effectiveness in in the midst of that. You know, yeah, we can we can pump out you know thousand item shipments, but let's make sure we're not letting our quality of the items that we send in drop. Well, let me ask you this, too, because there's another piece to that. What about these people? Um, You don't have robots working for you. So is there a point where efficient amount? I was a controller. So guess Mm -hmm. what? My whole world was finding, reducing touch point, blah, 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 right? Everything I can do to maximize. Um, But it comes at a cost. Because at some point, people are like, yeah, yeah, I could do it faster, Steve, but, you know, it, it, you know, I'm going to make more mistakes. Well, they're acceptable mistakes. That's okay. Our, our error ratio is within blah, 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 blah. But at some point, you know, they go to White Castle the night before, and they feel like crap when they come into work the next day, Craig. Mm-hmm. 
And so yep. that that's a completely different dynamic that's outside of your control that you have to factor in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, that's, that's a huge learning curve for me. Um, because again, I, I look at the world and data and I sometimes struggle to look at people as people. And I know that sounds really bad coming from a pastor, um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, but that's, but that's how, how I'm wired. I'm a, you know, I, I look at those things. And so, so that's definitely been one of the things that I've been learning over the last year and a half is, is even if I don't see eye to eye with someone to try to understand what they're going through to, to, to sympathize with them, you know, because empathy is not my strong suit. So I'll try to sympathize at least. Um, and, and to say, okay, yeah, we want to do this and, and, and to have, you know, the ability and I, it goes both ways, you know, to have the ability to say, you know what, sometimes it's better off if everybody goes and works on their own project and their own pace today. You know, sometimes that's a good thing because everybody gets to reboot. Sometimes it's a good thing if I'm going to be in the warehouse at a different time than the play. Yeah, that's not the most efficient thing, but sometimes that is the most effective thing because I need time alone with my thoughts, you know, and, and so I think it's more efficient to source with multiple people, but sometimes I'm more effective going by myself huh. because it's not just about sourcing the product when I do that. It's about processing life and thinking about things and, and taking my prayer time and doing that, that I can do when I'm sourcing alone, driving from store to store to store that I can't really do, um, with the team. And it's not because my team is bad. It's just, that's just the circumstance of what it is. But that's and self-awareness, so, right? That's yeah. you realizing, Hey, I'm not empathetic. That's me. You know, that is yep. me. That doesn't make, you know, that just, that's the way you're wired. Mm-hmm. So having that self-awareness to me. So how do you work on that empathy? I mean, or does it just improve over time? Because I keep delivering and I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And then I'm off because, mm-hmm. you know, things I ate at White Castle at 3 a.m. in the morning, Craig, and it just right. didn't sit well and I didn't get any sleep. Right. And so that next day I'm not on, but I'm always mm-hmm. on. And that day I'm off. Do I get, especially as you work longer with me, you start to build a I get a little bit of a pass or a, that is that, are you gaining empathy then? Yeah, I, I think so. And I think, hmm. you know, again, observing people and learning from that to be able to say, Hey, you know what? Look, I'd rather you, your, your head and your heart's not here right now. You need to do this. Like we can, we'll get this done. If you need to go take the break, if you need to go be with your family, if you need to go do this, you know, to, to really try to, to pick and choose the times where we say, Oh yeah, we have to have to do this. There's a few of those times there, there always will be in any business, but to be able to say, you know what? Um, like, like my employee today, he's, uh, he's, he's dealing some stuff with some family stuff. And, and I just said, well, I, I was just going to work late last night to get the stuff done that I need to get done. I needed some me time. So it was good. And he was going to come in, do some stuff. He, he knows some projects that need to be done. And so he was going to come in and do that. And then, then we're going to meet up this afternoon and then work together. You know, if everything's going good with, with the family stuff that he's got to take care of. And it's, you know, it's not bad family stuff. It's just being, it's life in a family. And, and so I, you know, to be able to say that, and that's where the, the driven part of me and, and even kind of that, that traditional Q4 go, 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 go. Well, we're not, we're not packing. We're not shipping. We're, we're losing out on stuff. Like, no, it doesn't matter if the shipment gets finished at 2 a.m., 12 p.m., or 4 p.m. You know, as long as what we need to get out is ready to go by 4.30, we're good. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as it's done for UPS, the, the the manner in which it gets done, whether it's done by one person or two people or however it's done, 
it's all good. And, and, and that's so, new for you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And dude, you know, that's and big though. That's big. It, my, cause my wife would always get on me because it, it wouldn't matter. We'd always be packing and shipping up until, up until, and sometimes even after UPS would come for the pickup. And, but where's and, that perspective come from? Cause that's a perspective change. That's finally realizing, you know, maybe it's part of, you know, the warehousing, maybe, you know, seeing your inventory, seeing it in a place as opposed to having it crammed in boxes under tables, maybe seeing it and seeing the progress that you make. I think there's some merit there that gives you perspective that might be helping some of this. Yeah, and, no, for sure. And I, I think also just the, the things that we've been working on the rest of the year, you know, trying, uh, okay. to, trying to not just hit the pause button. Okay, it's Q4. Let's pause on trying to eat healthy and, uh, you know, and, and, okay. and, and trying to integrate what we were already doing and so like like for example another another simple thing is you know it's q4 so it's busy so we don't i don't get to go on we'd like to do family walks so we don't get to do as many family walks just because our schedules just don't line up as well this time of year but i i said okay let's make me a standing rolling desk you know whereas you know the vast majority of time in the past i'd be sitting at a desk now i'm on my feet pretty much all day. So I'm getting more steps and I'm, I'm being more active, um, than what I ever was before, you know? And, and so to, to just make changes, say, okay, this is a priority. Now this wasn't a priority before the priority was paying the bills, you know? And yeah, that's still a good thing, but, but now the priority is taking care of myself, taking care of my family and using this business to help us achieve some of our goals that we want to achieve as a family. That's still there. Um, but it's not, it's not the only focus. It, it doesn't just, have it, to come at a cost to something else. Right. That's exactly. different. I think that's a great way of, of phrasing Ooh, it. Dude, it's pretty deep. All right. You're back. <laughs> uh, you're back into good graces as a pastor then. All right. You got it back. You pulled it back. Okay. So what, what's very cool to me again, you know, and this is one of the reasons I want to have Craig on is I watch over time and I look for, you know, that you don't have all the answers. Okay. You're willing to put in the time to figure them out. And the other thing is, to me, you know, the fact that you're using used equipment, you're not swinging for the fences with it all. You're, you're sitting there moderate and saying, okay, this is a good transition for me for now. Now, where it goes from here, you know, as you say, you're learning and you're going to continue to evolve. I think that's the biggest challenge for people is um, finding the time to learn, finding the time to invest in all these things, it comes at a cost. Um, but Craig would tell you that getting his garage back, which helps a marriage, that's personal advice from Steve, getting that stuff into a warehouse does help a marriage because you don't have a garage full of stuff. Um, and then not giving 100% of that time that you gain back to the business, invest in those relationships and friendships and health and all these different things is really some of the smartest ad, um, advice that I've, I've heard in a while. And I, I just think it's, it's very cool and it, it's, it's noticeable. Let me just tell you, hence the reason I had you on, because it's noticeable. People mm -hmm. are talking about it because it's, it's just what I think a lot of people need to do. This, you're not supposed to be on this earth just to run a business, I hope, and that's it. Live and die and, and you know, have the most money in your casket, man. I hope, I hope there's more to it than that. All right. So let me, let me ask my final question, which, you know, it's pretty typical. And I, and I think you've done a good job. Um, uh, I guess I should say, Hey, best way if somebody wants to get a uh, follow up with you, best way to get in touch with you. All right. Well, um, I'm on Facebook, so that's okay. probably, that's probably okay. the primary way, um, that you can find me and I'll, uh, I'll put your link there. Okay. Yep. Hopefully. And then I'm, 
I'm a, I'm a member of the green room. Um, you okay. know, the, being part of the green room has definitely been a, a huge part of, of my growth guys. over the years and, and just lots guys. of good relationships and good networking. So if you're still if haven't you're made a meeting room for sure, feel free to send a friend request and, and, uh, but yeah, love to kind of connect up and, one of these questions. days, I'm going to make it to Austin, Chris. Yes. One you of these days, he's taking me for barbecue. <laughs> I just I keep telling him that. One of these days. All right. So, so the goal of the podcast is to help people get past stuck. What I think this is, what I what I'm going to ask you for something a little bit different because I think you've done a good job explaining ways that you've gotten through. What about people who are considering a warehouse? I think that's a different question. I think you're a good example. You don't have the biggest warehouse in the world, right? You don't have a small warehouse, right. but you had a good sized business, you decided to make a commitment and say, all right, we're ready to make a go of this. You did it over time. You watched, you learned. What's your advice for somebody who's on the fence? You know, in our pre-call, we were talking about fees, how much fees have gone up, right? Storage fees, right? We're yep. all seeing it, right? Everybody's seeing it. Even us who have a warehouse without timing everything just right, you can get pretty expensive quick. Um, what's your advice when people come to you and say, Craig, should I do a warehouse? That's my question. Okay. Well, the first thing I would say that, that I learned is to, to set up your warehouse right, it's going to cost you more than just setting up your rent and your internet and your utilities. You know, we, we were fortunate that we were able to buy a lot of our, our inside structures from Toys R Us and Herbergers as they went out of business. And the good news is there's always businesses going out of business. But we, I probably spent, to get everything that I wanted $8,000 to try to get everything where we needed to be on the inside first. Now it was getting some new machines, getting some, you know, getting new printers. Cause we just decided if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And we're, there's going to be a cost up front. So, so what I would suggest that I didn't do, um, it would be start saving for it. Like you would for any other purchase, start saving for what it is. And, and maybe you're good. Maybe someone's got quality commercial grade shelving units in their garage. We didn't. I had I had the Target wire rack shelving units. And so we still use those for a few things, but for for us to be able to do what we need to do, we needed to get the the good commercial grade shelving units and we needed to all these pieces that we needed to get to really get things where we wanted it to be. Um, so so I would recommend saving and and you know again we probably spent a little more than we needed to, but we got what we wanted because we wanted to make sure it was set up the way we wanted it right from the start. Um, so I would recommend saving up, you know, whatever your rent would be, your projected rent would be times four and, and really have that because again, if you're going to deal with a first, first month's rent and a security deposit, so you got to remember that is an initial expense. And then again, whatever utilities work, we're, we're kind of fortunate that that really the only thing we have to pay for outside of our rent is the internet everything else is kind of included in it um you know utility wise and they, they maintain the bathroom for us because it's kind of a joint bathroom that other businesses use um but there's there's a lot of costs so i i would say not not to caution anyone from jumping in but to to actually have a plan to know it's going to cost you money and the other part where it costs you money is it's going to cost you your time time that you might normally spend sourcing and shipping you're going to be spending prepping your warehouse and you know you can choose to work 90 hour weeks for a, a month if you really wanted to but if you want to try to keep that life balance as you're moving in you're going to have to give up something somewhere um but beyond that the opposite side is um what might look like a big space when you look at it empty is not mm. necessarily feel 
like a big space once you move in. And, and again, I don't feel like we're crowded or cramped by any means, but if I walked in, if we pulled everything out and I walked in, I would say, wow, this place would look huge. Um, but by the time we have everything set up and, and again, our current setup probably won't be our final setup, but it's what we have for right now. I walk in, I'm like, okay, there's, there's aisles here. There's aisles there. There's cross aisles, there's streets and we have avenues and, and, you know, I know how to navigate it all. Um, we're looking to get a few more things once we get some more stuff. And again, I think the Toys R Us thing is kind of a rare exception for us. Normally, we don't have that much merchandise sitting, um, but we do right now, and it takes up a lot of space. And so, so you know, when you look at a space and say, wow, that's too big for us. Yeah, there's, there is a space that's too big for you, but it may not just be, you know, really do some calculations and say, okay, and we didn't we didn't fully do it because we had a lot of our pieces in place, so we kind of knew what our our size were. But one of the recommendations someone told me was measure everything out and tape it out on the floor. Oh yeah. And so, so we we didn't tape it all out, but we did measure it out. We said, okay, if this is where the van's going to park inside in the winter months, because we're we're up north, it gets cold, it snows, and like okay, if the van's going to park in here, if this is where where's this going to go? What figure out your flow, and once you see where everything goes, it's like wow okay, I can see how this is going to fill up. And there's still a few pieces that we need to rearrange because, you know, the streets and the alleys are a little too narrow in certain spots, but we can't do it until we get some more product out. But those would be a couple of the big things that I would recommend is not, not to discourage anyone from doing it by any means, but to really say, you know, ha- have the plan. Don't just, don't yeah, just jump Before you it. pull the trigger, right, these things you must consider. Because yeah. with that plan, like you said, with the layout and the equipment and all that jazz, knowing the cost of all that, right, and you can reach out to Craig or you can reach out to me even if you want, and you can kind of do, even even if you bought it on the cheap, like you said, when a company's going into business, it's still significant. And then you got to move yes. it and all the rest of that jazz. And then you have an idea. And then you sit back and say, okay, that $8,000 in your example, which sounds pretty reasonable, actually, quite reasonable, mm-hmm. um, that's 8000 that I don't have for inventory. And if that's all your cash flow that you have, then the time is mm-hmm. wrong. Wait. Yep. The answer is to wait. You don't have enough of a cushion. You're not built up far enough. Okay. Then that doesn't mean you failed. It just means the time isn't right. And thank God you figured that out before you got into that cash bind. So it's mm-hmm. very smart advice. Dude, I knew, I knew there was a reason that we needed to talk today. Man, I, I wish you nothing but success. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. It's been great being here today. Great guy, sound knowledge. Um, neat to see his background come in to play. Um, and again, I hope people realize that no matter what you've done in your life, you have skill sets that you've learned and you can apply them to this business into a piece that you know I don't have. And so therefore, you're an outlier on uh, over me on those pieces. And if you could do that piece better than everybody else, guess what? You're going to win, even if you don't do the other ones as well, because you could hire that out. And so great example. Uh, Craig's a great guy. Reach out to him again. If you have setting up a warehouse and you have questions or whatever, you need help or whatever, message him. Message myself. It's a whole group of us. Eddie Levine, one of the geniuses of uh, big warehouses. Um, you know, just great advice. Uh, a great group of people out there that are willing to help you. So ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.